Hey, we are in this series called The Kingdom of God. Um, the Kingdom of God is. And Kingdom of God is the central teaching of Jesus. A few weeks ago, I introduced the series and introduced the concept and tried to define it for you. One of the things that we need you to know is that it is the central teaching of Jesus. What did Jesus teach? He taught about the Kingdom of God. And it's just what it sounds like it is. It's God's kingness. It's God being in charge. It's God having his way and his will in us and in the world. It's God being in charge and us living under his authority, his power, his kingdom. That's what it is. So when anybody comes under, anything comes under the influence of God's will or the manifestation of God's way and God's power, then that's the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, this is the new reality. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what we're living in. We're living in the kingdom of God. So we've been considering as a church and as individuals, how is it that we live as kingdom people? How is it that we live in this reality called the kingdom of God where God rules, where God's way happens, where God's power is manifest? So we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And this week I want to read a text in Matthew chapter 18. Verses 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom, and his disciples are getting their heads around this rule and reign of Jesus. And they asked the question, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God that we're talking about, Jesus kind of throws a curveball a little bit in it. And here's a surprise regarding the kingdom teaching. And it's this, and this is the title of my sermon. The kingdom of God is apparently not for grown-ups, which is a surprise because we are sort of like, hey, grow up, buck up, Pull it together, be mature. This is how we live. We've been uh, being told that and telling ourselves that since we were little ones. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and goes, listen, for you to be great in the kingdom of heaven, for you to really do this kingdom of God thing, stop being so much like an adult. That's what Jesus' teaching is in this text. So it is kind of a surprise. I mean, it's a tongue-in-cheek that it's not for grown-ups, but the point is that the kingdom of God is received or the kingdom of God is experienced or already entrance into the kingdom of God is only through being childlike. I don't want to talk about being childlike in a few minutes, but I, I want a couple more points about this text as we look, let's look back at the text. I want to just point out a couple things. It's interesting that in verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They were asking a pretty good question, don't you think? Well, who's like, how do you become great? Like, how, how do you do this kingdom thing? Like, I want to be a kingdom person. Like, I want to be good for a great kingdom man. I want to do this thing right. So what do you do, God, to be great in the kingdom? How do I maximize this? Now, you could tell, I could tell by the looks on your faces that you, you know I'm already being a little generous to them. I mean, there's a good part of what they're asking. They're like, hey, how do we maximize this thing? Let's really be good kingdom people. So what, how do you be great in the kingdom? But you already also know, probably from reading about the disciples, that they were pretty human and they were basically wanting to be the greatest. In fact, this is Matthew recording this. Mark and Luke record this situation. Mark and Luke talk about how these guys were arguing along the road about who was the greatest. 
So they were actually having an argument like this kingdom thing is awesome, where God's rule and reign is, where God's powers manifest, where God's in charge of stuff. This kingdom thing is awesome. I think I'm pretty great in the kingdom. I'm probably greater than you in the kingdom. Don't you think I'm greater than you in the kingdom? Look at, I live more for Jesus. I love Jesus a little bit better than you. Look at me, look at you. I'm great in the kingdom. They're having an argument. Can you imagine the disciples following Jesus around, but then having an argument behind his back while on the road about who was the greater among them in the kingdom of heaven? I hope I don't have to preach that message to us, right? We're not those people, are we? Except when we kind of look across the aisle and go, well, thank you, God, and I'm not like that guy. <laughs> They're arguing. In fact, it says that when they got down the road, Jesus said to them, so what were you guys talking about back there on the, on the road? And they didn't want to tell him. Of course they didn't want to tell him because it says they were arguing about who, which one of them was the greatest. But the, the, the point is, is that they start out by going, I get the kingdom thing, so how do you do the kingdom thing? Aside from their bonehead pride, we're asking the question, how do we do the kingdom thing? How do we maximize the kingdom thing? what, What does it look like to be great in the kingdom? And so Jesus then took a child and brought him into the middle of this conversation. Now, children back then were not like the way children are enmeshed in our families and we're so loved and adored. In fact, we put our kids on pedestals and, and we make them about everything. The kids were, it was the opposite spectrum back then in those days. Those kids were barely seen and certainly not heard and they were off to the side and the adults had all the conversation. In fact, it was kids ate last in that culture, which I just think is great. You just sit over there until I'm full. <laughs> but Jesus went and got a child. They go, hey, how do we become great in the kingdom? He goes and he gets a child and he brings him. Now picture the child. Now don't picture the perfect, perfect child that's on all the commercials that you watch, that nobody's child looks like that. Picture like, you know, you know, the, picture like, you know, the snot running down, kind of dried and crusty. You know how you're like, somebody wiped that child's nose. Like picture that child. Probably one finger up his nose. They're like, hey, how do you become great in the kingdom? And Jesus puts this kid in the middle of them. And he says, stop being so much like an adult and be more like him. Their minds were blown. They were like, what? You're taking this nasty little kid over here and somebody hasn't wiped his nose and you're telling us and he hasn't grown up into anything, he doesn't have any wisdom and he hasn't learned any of the scriptures. Like, how is this guy the guy that's supposed to be great in the kingdom of heaven? It's a total turnaround. Jesus says, whoever takes a lowly position or whoever humbles himself like this child sees himself like this child sees himself, he's going to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why is that, whoever taking that kind of humility, why is that great in the kingdom of heaven? Because the kingdom of heaven is about submitting ourselves to God's way, to God's world. It's about putting ourselves under the manifestation of what God wants to do, God's authority, God's power, God's glory. That's what the kingdom is. So a child never pretends that life is about him. He's never in charge. He's not self-important. That's why Jesus said, you want to be great? Get low like him. Get humble like him because the kingdom is about God being in charge. It's about God's glory. The disciples have gotten all confused, apparently, about their greatness. This kingdom thing's awesome. I've been invited in the kingdom. I'm the right hand of the king. Oh, look at me. I'm so great. I'm a little bit better than you. And they're arguing. They forgot and it got about, became about their greatness. But the kingdom is about his greatness. It's about our then childlike trust and 
excuse me, and submission to him. It's about trust and submission to him, that he is in charge, that he is the king. The kingdom is about him being the king, him being the king, him being the king, him being the king. And a child never pretends to have that place of authority. So, greatness, Jesus teaches, is defined not by who we are and what we do or what we accomplish, but by the extent to which we humble ourselves like a child before the king. You with me on that? You get where we're going on this? And in fact, Jesus says, unless you change and become more like kids, you got some changing to do, unless you change and become more like children, you're not even going to get into the kingdom. You're not going to experience the kingdom. You can't experience the rule of Jesus, the Lord, in your life unless you become more like a child. Why? Because you're ruling your life, and the king can't. You hear it? Jesus goes, you got some change to do. we got to become more like kids. So what is it about children that we could emulate that would help us live out the kingdom? And I, I brainstormed about 10 things about kids. And, and, and this is kind of kids in the ideal, not, not your kids. Your kids are poor examples. But sort of, sort of kids in the ideal, like, you know, the concept of children. What, how could we emulate children and therefore understand being great in the kingdom of God? So a couple of things this morning. Number one, children are free from thinking they know everything. Children are free from thinking they know everything. And I'm not talking about your 13-year-old because they think they know everything. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about young kids. Children are free from thinking they know everything. So listen, so here's the point. So anything is possible for them. Anything is possible for them. They don't understand it all. They don't pretend to understand it all. They're free from thinking they have it all figured out. And so anything can happen Think of the joy and the freedom and the beauty of anything can happen. Not like, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. I got to figure it out. And this is how the thing works and all that. No. I don't know how stuff works. That's the beauty of kids. They don't know how stuff works. They just show up and stuff happens and they're like, that's awesome. And anything can happen. Do you, do you remember a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, it was a few months ago actually in the summertime when Ben was talking about baseball and what may happen at the end of the baseball season. He was talking about being a smart baseball fan. Uh, maybe, good thing we have it on video. We'll just check this out now. <laughs> well, I don't get out of the Bay Area very much, and so I assume everyone's a Giants fan. And how can you not be a Giants fan after this, uh, after this run that we've been on? Well, this last fall in November, I went and spoke to a couple of churches from Kansas. And uh, it was like seeing a unicorn. I saw a Kansas Royals fan. And uh, I didn't even know the Kansas City had a team still. I mean, I'm not a true baseball fan. I'm kind of a fair-weather baseball fan. And, um, but I forgot the Royals were even a Major League Baseball team still. And I'm like, listen, man, we're a dynasty. You, you're a fluke. And like, we had this whole conversation. We're going back and forth. And, uh, and finally, I'm like, he's like, no, no, next year you're going to see. I'm like, okay, let's do this thing. 50 bucks. This poor college kid, I don't care. I'm teaching him a lesson, you know? So I put in my phone, 50 bucks. So next, coming up this October, we're going to meet. And I saw him at Chick this summer. I'm like, we're still on, right? He's like, yeah, but I think you're right. I'm like, I know. But you made a bet. You're a godly man. You got to be a man of your word. So, but what's interesting, I don't think so. The Royals are not going to the World Series. 50 bucks, another double or nothing.
That was me doing that $50 bet with Ben. So with the proceeds, I got you a gift, bro. Here you are. And you know what? Here, I'm going to be like Jesus to you right now. I will cancel your debt against you by grace, okay? So you are set free. You do not owe me 50 bucks because it was the stupidest bet you've ever made. But it makes my point now, three months later, that as adults, we figure out all the data and we come up with, this is how things work and this is how things are not going to work. And the Royals, you're a fluke. You're not going to go to the World Series, right? That's just how we do it as adults. But children are like, I don't know. Like, they don't have sabermetrics. They don't know what's going to happen next. Anything is possible for a kid. Think about the freedom that comes from not thinking that we know everything and anything could happen. Adults do that. Don't do that. We, we live so much like we know what's going to happen and we know what's not going to happen. We, do, we live so much like that we aren't even open to what God could do. The kingdom of God, friends, is about the presence of God and his rule and his authority and his what? His power. It's about his power. It's about God being able to come and blow us away with his sovereign wisdom and power and authority. God can do anything. And it's childlike to go, I I don't know what he's going to do, and I don't know how he's ever going to accomplish this. But anything is possible. Have we lost that? After first gathering, my conversations came in waves after the sermon, and it was everybody talking about this and saying, I had lost hope that God could ever come through, and he ended up showing up in ways that surprised me and blew my mind. Kids believe anything is possible, and that's exactly what the Word teaches us about what is true in this kingdom. It's what the Word teaches us about what is true. When the angel came and talked to Mary about having the child, the virgin having the the Savior, becoming pregnant with the Savior, the angel said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Paul writes in Philippians, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's a passage in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus was talking to people and he said, with people, with human beings, this is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Another passage in Mark, somebody came to Jesus and said, if you can, if you can do, if you can, can you do something to help this situation? And Jesus said to them, if I can, if I can, all things are possible for those who believe. Jeremiah, ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Isaiah, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. The scriptures teach us that this is what is true, that anything is possible. Think about one thing, friends, that you wish could be true in your life, in your world in somebody's life that you love. Think of one thing that you wish could be true from the bottom of your childlike heart that you wished that God would come through and do. But that when it gets to your adult-like head, you go, That's, there's zero chance of that happening. I've lost any sense that that could, I, I can't even 
There's no way that could happen. Can you think of something like that that you carry? Because when we get to that place where we in our adult ways start thinking, I know how things function and I know how people work and I know how God does and doesn't work. I know it. I know what's going to happen. And we start giving things zero chance. Friends, it is a time for a reorientation and a serious, literally, come to Jesus moment. We need to reorient and we need to pray. We need to reorient. When we start getting in the place of thinking, oh, there's zero chance of that, then it is time to reorient and say, who is the king that we're talking about? And what are you doing here? What are you doing living as a person of faith? What kind of a God are you living with? A God that, wow, he never will do that. Now, friends, it's time to reorient because this generous, gracious, compassionate, all-powerful king can do anything. And a child believes that. And Jesus says, you want to be great in the kingdom? you got to start believing anything can happen. You don't know everything. I'm going to take a spiritual formation moment. You ready? And I want to pray together about this. What's one thing, what's one thing that you wish would be true about you, about your world, about somebody you love? And your adult head has said, there's no way that's ever happening. Let's bring that to the Lord right now. Our Father in heaven, you're present in this place. You're present in the midst of this word, in the midst of this moment. And we come to you knowing you are generous. We come to you knowing you are gracious, that you are our Father and that you are our King. And we confess, God, that we have gotten so adult-like that we know there's no chance. We, We may even say the words that, oh, no, no, God can do anything. But down deep in our hearts, we go, no. I've lost hope that that could ever happen. Oh, God, reinfuse us with a vision of who you are, the mighty and awesome, powerful God whose arm is not too short, whose ear is not too deaf to hear us. And we take this situation and we hand it to you in humility and in fear and in trembling because we already believe in put in handing, bringing it to your throne right now, God, we already go, you're not going to do anything with it and now I'm going to feel foolish and I'm going to live. God, stop that voice in me that says no chance and let us live in the joy that anything could happen. And so we release this situation and the outcome, this person, we release them to you, God, right now for you are our king and we bow before your throne, and we tell you once again, we trust you, and we believe in you, and you are our hope. And all God's people said, amen. What is it about children that we can emulate? One, they're free from thinking they know everything, and so anything is possible. I actually got the Royals gear, and I shared with our staff. I sort of wore it as a joke, but from my own soul, that God could do anything. That God's for the underdog, that God sees the teams even from Kansas City. It's not even Kansas, Ben. They're in Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. It's a team. <laughs> that God could do anything. Do you believe God can still do anything? Children are free from thinking they know everything. Two, they are free from being in charge of life. They're free from being in charge of life. So listen, so they're just joyfully along for the ride. That is so childlike, isn't it? It's so fun. The kids, they're not in charge. They're just, they're just along for the ride. They just 
coming along for the ride. I love that about kids. They're just like, I don't know, they're not in charge. They just, whatever happens, happens. It's like it's dinner time. They're like, really? Okay. It's not like they were looking at their watch. Like, what time is dinner? Like, they're just along for the ride. The best part about kids being along for the ride, do you remember you or taking your kids and putting them in the car and then they fall asleep and then they wake up mysteriously at grandma's? Like, how did I get here? I don't know, but it's bacon. Like, that's it. That's all I need to know. I mean, grandma's house is the best. And if you told them, like, if you said, hey, let's get in the car, we're going to drive to Safeway. Could you tell me how to get to Safeway? They'd be like, why would I need to know how to get to Safeway? No, I'm home and then we're at Safeway. That's how it works for me. I'm a child. I'm just along for the ride. There's this freedom that comes from being along for the ride. They're joyfully along for the ride. And oh my gosh, the joy that we could experience, friends, if we gave up the illusion that we're in charge of life, that we're in charge of our life, that we're in charge of the circumstances and the things that happen around us, that is exhausting. But the joy that comes from being a child that says, I trust you, my father, I'm going to receive what you bring, and I'm going to receive it as a gift, because there it is. Another baseball story, I think I've told you this story before, but when AT&T Park first opened, it was SPC or Pacville Park or whatever at the time, it was the first year, my son Tommy was like eight, and um, we got tickets, we saved up, we got tickets, and uh, remember it was sold out, it was crazy sold out for, for months or for years, and, and anyway, we got tickets, and it was our first time to go, and I was all excited about bringing my son and raising him up in the baseball way, and um, so we go to the game, and uh, we get tickets in section 336, this is what I could afford. These are very expensive tickets, this place, and so I'm already feeling badly that I had to go like, I want to get tickets here, no, how about here, no, I'll get this level ticket, okay, and in 336, I'm no dummy, that's the third level, that's way up top, right? In fact, in this picture, you can see do you see how the, the, um, the, the, the seats curve around toward the outfield behind the foul pole there in left field? There's nobody even sitting in this game up in those seats. See it? Well, that's 336 up there. So sure enough, we get to the park, and we go past all the good-looking rich people and all their sons and dads, and we get up past those guys, and I'm going up the walkway, <laughs> seeing all those guys down there, and I'm like, I, I'm bitter at you, my soul. I hate you. And uh, so we go all the way up, and then we walk all the way around the outside of the park. And as we're going, I don't really know where 336 is, but we're going further and further down the thing. I'm like, wow, this is a long, long ways away, and, and I'm a terrible, terrible father. I mean, it's just the worst, the worst feeling. Like, it's just the further down I got, the more I just felt like a failure in life, a failure financially, a failure as a dad, a failure in the baseball world. I just felt like, are we really going to be, oh my gosh, and we get out there, friends, it is literally that last half section at the very time. I'm like, I am in the highest level, and now I'm at the furthest section away as we can get. And as we start to go up the stairs, this is the view, we start to go up the stairs, and I'm looking at the tickets, and like my soul is dying one stair after another, because I'm going higher and higher and higher. You guys, our tickets, last row of the furthest section of the highest. I had the worst seats at AT&T Park. That's what I got for you, son. I love you, man. <laughs> I can't do any better for my kid. I just was dying. I was the worst person ever. And this is the view from up there. It's like, is there a game down there? And we scoot by people, and we're in the very last row of the very last section of the very highest level, like the worst seats at AT&T. It's like we're like we're 44,500 people ahead of us in better seats. We sit down in this row, and here's my son, eight years old, with his glove. (laughs) 
and I'm just about to curse God and die for how my life is not turning out as I wanted it to. This day is not turning out as I wanted it to. I'm bitter at all the way that this is all. I'm just about to do that. And my son goes, Dad? And I go, yeah. And he goes, as he surveys the scene, these seats are awesome. (laughs) And everybody in the section turns around and looks at him and then people literally started applauding him. Because all of the adults there were dying to themselves and were bitter about their life and as it's turned out. And my son was like, this is a gift to an eight-year-old. It's like the higher you go and the more you can see. And, <laughs> and in his optimism, man, he kept that glove on the whole game in case some human was going to hit it 800 feet <laughs> and he was going to get a home run ball. Children are not in control, and they know it, and so they deal with what comes to them, and listen, they receive it as the gift that it is from a gracious God. And even if it is a challenge, and even if it is difficult, and even if it is a tragedy, they see it in the context of, well, that's what it is, and I'm here with my parents who love me, and I'm in this safe place, and I'm not in charge, and I couldn't have foreseen this. I couldn't have withheld this thing from happening. I couldn't have kept it from happening, and I can't solve it on my own. It's just, this is what it is. There's so much freedom in living that way. That's what children do. Adults, they vector all the information. They analyze the data. They do feasibility studies. They manage their risks. They cover their bases. They position themselves for all possible contingencies. They have plan B and plan C in the pipeline. They basically overthink it, freak out, try and position everything and everybody in their lives for success, and they still fail to make it all work according to their expectations. That's awful. Who wants to live like that? Jesus says, you want to be great? you got to stop being so much like an adult. You want to understand the kingdom? Don't think you're in charge. Receive what comes as a gift from a gracious and generous and sovereign father, king. We live like that, and in fact, in the end, we end up just exhausting ourselves, striving, living in anxiety, and end up really ticked that life isn't working out the way we want it to. Children go, thanks for the gift. I wonder what's going to happen next. Think about it, being along for the ride. Being free from being in charge in life is kind of kingdom-y, kingdomly, because we consciously then submit to our good king and we seek his way and his will and his power and his protection and his wisdom and his plan. We seek his stuff. We go, your thing, God, your thing, God, your thing, God. You are my king and you're good and I can trust you. There is freedom in that. And there's joy and there's rest and then just receiving what the king brings. We're not in charge. Children are free from feeling like, from believing they're in charge of life. And you go, okay, but, but I have this, but I have, this, I have these responsibilities, but, I, but there's stuff I'm in charge of, but I'm responsible. I know. That's your control addiction right there talking back to me. That you're going, well, what about, I'm in, yeah, I know. I want to tell you, there are very, very few things in life 
that we are actually in control of. And those are all things that the king yesterday or the day before or last year, the king said, here, you do this thing. I want you to get up and go to this job. I'm giving you this job. I'm calling you this job. Get up and go to that job. But friends, you don't actually believe that you're in control of that job, are you? Because you know what's going to happen in that job tomorrow. You don't know if that job's going to exist tomorrow. You don't know if that company's going to exist. You don't know if, if it's going to be viable. You don't even know what, what things are going to come your way in that job tomorrow. You still have to come and be the king's servant, the king's child, and say, what gift do I get today? What's going to happen today, God? Your way, your wisdom. Your kids, are you, are you, you have to be responsible for them, right? You've got to be in charge of them, right? Is there anyone here who has children? who is still under the illusion that you are in control of your kids. <laughs> right? I mean, you can control some stuff. You can go, you know what? You're not going to that party. Or that. It's t- tough. I'm the parent. No. You can control some things. You cannot control what's going to happen to them. You cannot control their safety. You cannot control their future. You cannot control the kind of person they're becoming. You can't. You can't control it. There's such freedom to being able to say, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to be responsible to God for that. But man, I'm going to have to allow what the Lord, what the King brings my way and receive it as a gift and walk with him. Here's a spiritual formation tip. It's that we simply walk with him through it all. We walk with him through it all. We're not in charge of it. We walk with him. John the Baptist positioned himself, described himself as Jesus' best man. Jesus was the... Jesus was the groom, and Jesus was coming as the groom. It was Jesus' day. He was coming as the groom to love the world and to love his church, the bride. He was in charge. He was the guy. John goes, that's not my day. It's not my thing. They don't belong to me. The world, the church, they don't belong to me. Jesus is it. And John the Baptist said, this is what I am. I'm the friend, the best man, and I attend him. And this is what John said. This is my job. I wait and I listen for his voice. And when I hear it, I'm on. I'm full of joy. I'll live it. That's it. That's my whole thing. And then he goes on to say, he must increase and I must decrease. And everybody probably said, but John, you got so much responsibility now and you got disciples too and you're helping create the way for the Messiah and you got a pretty important part in this whole kingdom of God thing that's coming. And he goes, I'm the friend who attends the groom. I wait and I listen for his voice, and when I hear it, I'm full of joy. He must increase, and I must decrease. But John, you got some responsibility. He must increase, and I must decrease. But John, certainly you have to take care. He must increase, and I must decrease. Here's the spiritual formation tip, friends. That's your job, all of it, as a child in the kingdom. Wait and listen for his voice. And when you hear it, go. I'm going to model that prayer. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, some of us are so tired of vectoring all the data and trying to figure out how to live. We've been so adult-like about it and we still can't make life turn out the way that we want it to. We still can't protect ourselves the way that we want it to. We still can't make things succeed. We end up sitting in section 336 more often than not. And we're tired. And so, Father in heaven, come and speak to your children. Today, one more day. Today, God, what do I need to hear from you today? 
I'll wait and I'll listen. And when I hear how I'm supposed to be on this day with these tasks, at this job, with these people, with my kids, with my rest, with my dollars, like whatever I hear from you, God, today I'll do. I'll do that today. And then I'll come meet you again tomorrow. I'll wait and listen for your voice. And when I hear it, I'll be full of joy. You must increase, and I must decrease. You must increase, and I must decrease. Be our king, in the name of Christ. Amen. So that's two things. Third thing. Hang on, third thing. Let me give me a couple minutes. I love the, I love the plane behind me. That sounds cool, though. So children are free from thinking they know everything. Children are free from being in charge of life. Third, children are free from being in charge of people in their world. They're free from being in charge of the people, other people in their world. They're free from being in charge of other people. So listen, so they simply get to relate in love. Doesn't this sound like what Christianity was supposed to be? We don't know everything. We have this awesome, fully wise, sovereign God who knows everything. We're not in charge of life, so we're joyfully along for the ride. We're not in charge of people, so we simply just get to love them. Children never kind of would end up thinking they're the boss of people, that, they're, that they have expectations of people, so that then they build resentments when it doesn't happen. They don't get to tr- people to try to become something they're not. They don't take responsibility for other people's lives. They don't try to control somebody's future. They just love them. We have to be more like a child where it won't occur to us to be in charge of somebody else's life or somebody else's actions. We can't get them, friends, to behave in a certain way. We can't get them to do what we want. We can't get them to be something that they're not. We can't fix them. We can't keep them safe if they're someone that we love. We release them into the care and the control of God. That's what we do. It's so kingdom-like because these people have a savior. They have a king. They have a Lord. And it's not us. So we just get to relate to them in love under the king and introduce them to the king. That's what we do. We must hand the people in our lives over to the savior, to Jesus who would bring them life. Jesus has so much life for them. But we want our vision to happen in people's lives. We want them to act a certain way. We want them to be a certain way. We want our vision. My vision for people, even for my kids, my vision for people, friends, is always rooted in my plan, my comfort, my fear, and it's rooted in the concept of safety. But God is never about any of those things. God never promised comfort and and, and, and he's certainly not about fear, and he's never been safe. He's about submission and trust to his lordship. But if I buy my way, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, I want you to be safe, and I get in the way of the actual plan of life that God has for someone. And then, this is even for your kids again, this is what I'm talking about, this is even our kids. We're not in control of our kids, we're not in control of our kids' safety. You got a couple things, you say, Lord, should I let them go to that party? And the Lord's like, no. You're like, thanks, got it, no. But beyond that, you can't control your kids. And so what you do is you submit them to the the Lord Jesus and you allow him to bring about the life that, that, that he has for them. And so we just relate to them in love. So what we do then, friends, is we ask simply, what does loving them look like? That's all I need to do. 
I don't like how they're behaving. When you're a parent, you can control some of that and you got to do some of that parenting thing. But in general, with people, I can't, I can't fix this guy. I can't control that guy. I can't get him to act. I'm just going to submit him to the Lord and ask, how do I love him? Is there somebody in your world that's very difficult for you right now? Some relationship that you just can't figure out how to help them, how to fix them, how to get the frustration to go away? Let's model taking them to the Lord right now. Let me pray. You got them in your head? You got that person in your head? Here's the tip I'm going to give you. Never interact with that person never, and, and, and never think about that situation and never bring them before the Lord without imagining God actually being in the room with you too. And so, Father God, here we are, the three of us. And I tell you that I don't know how to help. And I don't know what to do with my frustration. I don't know what to do with my fear. I don't know. I can't fix this situation. But you are sitting right here, God. You are their present king who loves them and has life designed for them. And I practice again right now, God, releasing control of him to you. I release control of him to you. I cannot carry that burden any longer, God. I release him to your gracious and generous, sovereign wisdom and plan. Just tell me how to love him, God. Tell me today how to love him, and I'll respond in the name of Christ. Amen. It is such a surprise that Jesus teaches that we must stop being so much like an adult who thinks they know everything, who feels like they're in charge of their life, and who feels like they got to be in charge of everybody around them. Friends, we are an exhausted people. And Jesus said, blessed are you poor in spirit. Blessed are you humble. Blessed are you who can just let go of that tiredness, for to you belong the kingdom of God. To be great in the kingdom is to be like a child.